Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the book of Revelation. We are currently in chapter 5 at verse 8. Hi there, I'm Glendale Tony, and I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading, why don't we, in verse 8 of chapter 5 of the book of Revelation, where it says this. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. So this last section of uh, chapter 5 is still talking about the scroll, or at least that's the, uh, that's the way we've uh, outlined this book. And uh, is this, this is all the heavenly scene in chapters 4 and 5. Uh, chapter 4 mostly talked about the throne, and now uh, chapter 5 introduces this scroll and its seven seals and uh, the, uh, the invitation that goes out to, to uh, everywhere, <laughs> to the entire universe uh, for the answer of who is qualified, and uh, the uh, biblical term is worthy. Who is worthy? Who is qualified to open this uh, this uh, document uh, and uh, and, and to break open these seven seals that uh, have sealed this document. Uh, that is an indication that this uh, scroll or this book, as it's translated in my uh, translation that I read here, uh, is is a document that's important for the transfer of of uh, property, that is, the reclamation of property, the retrieval of property that had been lost through some uh, some means. It's called the kinsman redeemer um, a kind of document, and that meant uh, that on the outside was written some things as far as instructions were concerned, but the real content of uh, how the terms were to be carried out uh, were inside, and you had to break open the seals in order to do that, and one needed to be qualified in order to do that. And so that's the reason why there is this drama in heaven of who is qualified to do this. And uh, as it turns out, of course, uh, we find that it is 
the uh, the lamb, the the one who is called in uh, chapter five and and uh, verse five, he's called the lion of the tribe of Judah. That means he's Jewish. That means he's uh, from the royal tribe of Judah. And not only that, he's the root of David. And that means he comes from David, but he's also the source of David's authority. Uh, both are true about uh, uh, Jesus risen and ascended into heaven. And so uh, this lamb is called uh, as if slain. And uh, that's in chapter five and verse six. We started reading in verse eight, where he takes this document, he takes this scroll and uh, this book, and uh, he, he, is about to start opening up these seven seals. But uh, this means that we have found someone who's qualified, someone who's willing, someone who has the power, someone who has the wealth, uh, the kind of wealth that's necessary in order to purchase back what was what was lost and redeem the earth itself back to um, God's possession. And um, this has been relinquished in many regards, not, not that God has relinquished his sovereignty. He is sovereignly ruling over the earth the whole time. But there is a certain official uh, transference uh, that needs to take place, and that's based upon the lamb that was slain. And because he was slain, he has purchased uh, or has laid down the purchase price, you might say, and now John is witnessing him taking forth this book, this scroll, and and opening up each one of these uh, these seals. Now, the seventh seal just so happens to also open up seven trumpets. And then after that, the seven trumpets, there, then there is the seventh trumpet that opens up seven bowls of judgment. And um, that's to come later, of course, in the book of Revelation. But right now, we're focused upon this document because it is the official document of the kinsman redeemer, and Jesus is just that. And uh, that's what all of heaven and all of earth has just now realized. And John is seeing all this from heaven's perspective. And uh, and uh, so that's where he says he he had taken the book and the four living creatures. We we talked about them in chapter four. Uh, they all have different faces, which represent the various aspects of of even Jesus's own uh, own nature and his own um, um, status in the universe. Uh, are uh, they are reflected in these four faces in these four creatures? And then there are these uh, twenty four elders, which seem to represent the twelve tribes of Israel from the Old Covenant, as well as the 12 apostles in the New Covenant, and uh, they all fall down uh, and they worship the Lamb. Uh, because why? Because he deserves this, this worship. And uh, they have uh, in their hands, they have a, a harp. Uh, Psalm uh, 33 verse 2 says, give thanks to the Lord with the lyre, sing praises to him with a harp of 10 strings. Now, um, uh, we don't know exactly what kind of instruments they have in heaven, but somehow they're, they're stringed instruments and uh, they are called uh, harp. And um, uh, we, we don't know what the size were, uh, was, uh, 
or anything like that. But it also says that uh, um, that not only are uh, these uh, uh, these twenty four elders uh, they're accompanied by the the stringed instruments they carry, but it, it also they carry golden bowls full of incense. Now this is kind of significant in the old covenant uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 10 there was uh, something called um, uh, an incense altar and that was taken inside the tabernacle uh, and uh, was was basically uh, right there just uh, uh, just within the uh, the holy place, and uh, right before the curtain that separated the holy place from the holy of holies, there was this uh, golden incense altar, and uh, that was burning incense all the time. Uh, these 24 elders have golden bowls uh, individually for some reason, but they are reflecting some of this same idea, and this, this, uh, the smoke of this incense evidently is, is uh, representative of the prayers of the saints. That's what it says here. That doesn't mean that the uh, 24 elders carry the prayers of the saints, but it does mean that they are reminded that the saints are praying, especially those who are uh, being martyred for Christ during uh, this uh, period of time that we're about to get into. And um, uh, they their prayers are specially acknowledged before the throne. And um, uh, uh, it says uh, in, in in Psalm 141 verse 2, it says, May my prayer be counted as incense before you, the lifting up of my hands as the evening offering. So this is something that uh, even harkens back to the old covenant where where worshipers took incense as a as their as a symbol of their own prayers and they would ask the lord to say uh, please listen to my prayers and as you smell this smoke so to speak that you would also be reminded that these are the things i've requested from you and uh that's that is a as, as an old testament kind of symbol but it's also a new testament kind of symbol right here in this passage and so uh, uh, they say they sing a new song. It says in verse nine. Um, it's interesting that there are several places in the old covenant, or that is the in the Old Testament uh, and the New, where it talks about singing a new song. Psalm thirty three, verse three. Psalm ninety six, verse one. Psalm uh, one forty four, verse nine. Isaiah forty two, verse ten. They all talk about singing a new song, and it's perfectly legitimate to write new music with new words to express something that hasn't been expressed before. And that's exactly what these uh, are doing around the throne. Evidently, they are given the freedom to do something and express something back to God on the throne, the ancient of days, Daniel called him. And uh, they are expressing this with this music. And in fact, it says, that they sang a new song. What's interesting is that 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 uh, this is the only place where it actually says that that they sang, and it's uh, it's attributed to these twenty four elders. Now, um, in chapter four, verse eight, it says they say uh, something in worship to the Lord. Chapter four, verse ten, they are saying something as a, as an act of worship. In chapter five, verse twelve, uh, they are um, committing words or lyrics with a loud voice. Um, and in chapter 
5, verse 13, they are saying these lyrics or these words. So um, it seems to be that these 24 elders are the ones that are carrying the tune because they are the ones with the musical instruments to accompany them in singing notes. Uh, Otherwise, uh, the rest of the crowd may not actually be singing. They may actually be chanting or or reciting these these lyrics back to the Lord uh, as they are being composed, perhaps. And uh, that's part of the worship that takes place in around the throne. And so it begins with the four creatures and the 24 elders, and they declare, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. So they are making public declaration, declaration excuse me, of, of Jesus's qualifications that he is the only one in the entire universe that has been qualified and is qualified to break these seals on this official document. And uh, in order to be the kinsman redeemer and and purchase back uh, the 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 property that was lost and the and the uh, the human uh, um, beings that were lost and uh, it says for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood. Now that doesn't mean that that uh, that this this uh, passage is talking about universal salvation that everybody's going to get saved eventually and nobody has to worry. But what what it actually is saying is that there are representatives of those who were purchased by the blood of the Lamb, uh, and those representatives are beyond the nation of, of Israel and beyond the tribe of Judah. They they are beyond uh, the reach of, uh, of language and culture and everything else of those who know that Jesus has paid the price to... Uh, to win them to heaven. So we're going to be back right after this break. Just uh, been in chapter five of the book of Revelation and verse nine in particular, where this this worship erupts in the innermost circle around the throne, and uh, that that uh, uh, worship is declared and sung with musical instrument accompaniment uh, by the twenty four elders that are there, and uh, they are singing this new song, and even though it's based on an old piece of history, uh, yet it is new now because they are declaring the Lamb to be worthy that is qualified to open this scroll by breaking these seven seals that sealed it up. And um, because
because why? Because he has paid the price. He could afford the price and he was willing to pay the price. And it was that great sacrifice to himself and to his own life because he died uh, in a miserable way, a violent way, by shedding his own blood. And by doing so, he has purchased uh, those who uh, needed salvation. He has purchased those who needed that payment, who needed to be redeemed, who needed to be recalled, retrieved. And uh, he has done that. And so because of that, he is worthy to open that. And not only did he do the work of of saving them in the sense of paying the penalty for their sins, but he has done a work to bring them, to make them, it says in verse 10, uh, made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. So look at all the roles that these these, uh, people from every tribe and every nation and every language around the earth, that Jesus has paid for their sin. They have come to him for salvation, and he has made them into their own kingdom, which is a different kind of a kingdom. It is a kingdom made up of all languages and cultures and everything else, but it's still his because he's paid the price to purchase it. And it's and not only is it a kingdom in which he is the king and they are his subjects, but they are also priests to the to God. Um, it says uh, that is the function they they uh, play out. Um, is is as a priest, as an in between um, a, a group of people, between uh, those that are lost and those who need to know Christ, and those who are uh, walking with Christ, and they are priests. Uh, they represent God to the world, and they represent. Uh, the world back to God, and they will reign on the earth. Notice that they will take um, a certain role in in um, in ruling with the king when he sets up his kingdom. And notice that that's still yet in the future. They will reign upon the earth. It's not yet claimed yet, but it's about to be. That's why the lamb is opening up the seals of this scroll so that he can make claim upon the very earth itself and upon the people of the earth. And there is this worship. Um, and uh, the biblical uh, role of music has always been a part, and it's there in heaven as well. Uh, there are a, a total of 302 references to music in one form or one shape or another, and um, uh, that means uh, if you were to take a concordance and look up uh, the word song or songs plural, if you were to look up the the uh, uh, the verb sang in the past tense or sing in the uh, present tense or sings or singing in the participial phrase or singers as a role of singing, and uh, th- then if you were also to add up the uh, uh, the uh, references that that. Uh, talk about music or musical things or musicians themselves or talk about psalm or psalms or psalmists uh, or hymns uh, or hymn and uh, H-Y-M-N. And all of those terms are found in the, in the Bible because they are music that, are, that, uh, that uh, uh, is expressed to God as a form of worship. There's individual songs recorded in the scriptures. There's a whole book called Psalms in the scripture uh, that uh, there are uh, 
other songs, individual songs like uh, the song of Moses and Miriam, his sister, in Exodus chapter 15. There's a song of Moses and Joshua, by the way, in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 31 and 32. There's the song of Moses and the Lamb coming up later in the book of Revelation uh, chapter 15, if you care to look at that. There are singers and musicians in the law of Moses that have been designated there as a part of not just worship and service in the temple, but also service on the battlefield. Music was important on the battlefield uh, when Israel was uh, fighting their battles to claim the land uh, the first time. And uh, in rebuilding and rededicating the walls of Jerusalem, there was music involved. And in the priestly tribe of Levi, there were music and singers and musicians and um, and uh, artists who who performed the music and wrote the music uh, in the temple. Uh, there was uh, there was a singled out musician uh, called David, and uh, there was a singled out psalmist called David. There was a singled out uh, singer. He was named as a singer. His name was Heman. And uh, there's a famous duet in the New Testament between Paul and Silas. There are songs of all sorts in the Bible. There's songs of the night. There's songs uh, when you're awake. There's songs when you're troubled. There are songs of deliverance and songs in a wedding. There's songs in a vineyard and songs of, of cheerfulness. There are, uh, there's one thing called the Lord's Song in uh, Psalm 137, verse 4. There's Song of Zion and Song of Judah. There's the Song of the Trees and the Song of the Mountains and the Birds and the Morning Stars. There's Sing a Song. The Lord is my strength and my song, uh, declares uh, in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 2. The Messiah himself sings. Do you realize that in Psalm 22, verse 22? Also in Isaiah 62, verse 5. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12. The Messiah sings. Can you imagine listening to Jesus singing? But uh, that's not involved in this passage, but it is there in the scriptures. Uh, there are all sorts of instruments used in biblical music. There are lyres and harps and stringed instruments in general. There are symbols and timbrels, or tambourines, that is, and uh, uh, there is a pipe, and there are other uh, general instruments. There are 113 trumpets. There are 16 horns used for music. Uh, and uh, Psalm 150 calls an entire um, symphony or an entire orchestra uh, to the podium, uh, to the orchestra pit, that is, to, um, to uh, perform the music of Psalm 150. And uh, what's interesting is that about uh, uh, a third, or a little more than a third, uh, closer almost to a half uh, of those instruments are, are percussion instruments. They're rhythm instruments, which is kind of fascinating to me. And uh, there, are, there is, of course, uh, a wrong kind of music in the Bible, but, but it, the Bible speaks of performing music skillfully seven times. One time it talks about performing it uh, softly, but eight times it talks about um, performing music loud or loudly uh, or louder than you're used to. And uh, that's sort of what they're doing here. Um, 
So there's music in the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. There's music that is to be a part of worship in a local congregation in the New Testament. So those are the things that we find here. But look at, uh, it says, it says, you are worthy to break the seals because you were slain and you paid the price. You paid uh, for the penalty and you bought those back. You purchased them back. That's an economic term. The idea that Jesus' death on the cross purchased us, that's an economic description. The very word redemption is an economic kind of a term. And uh, this is a commercial transaction in the spiritual realm. And that's what's going on. And that's what has been accomplished in our own history on the earth. Almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid that price. And now John has given a glimpse into heaven of what this, uh, this, uh, this kinsman redeemer is about to do, and it, it is filled with worship. Verse 11 says, Then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them were myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, These, these are either singing or they're just speaking these words with a very loud voice. These are innumerable amount of angels. Uh, we're not told anything about them except for the fact that they are now a part of the circle of this worship. It started with the uh, 24 elders and the uh, four living creatures uh, that are described in special ways in chapter 4, and now now the worship has has exploded into heaven and exploded into um, all of these innumerable number of beings, these angels in heaven, and they are, are expressing this. Worthy is the lamb that was slain Lane. Notice it is Jesus' death that is, is what qualifies him to do this and uh, to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And so they, they attribute to Jesus all of these things that are his already, but the voices of all of these angels join in with the four living creatures and the 24 elders, and they fill heaven with this, uh, this declaration of Jesus' worthiness of his blessingness and uh, of his uh, his right and his power and his authority. And so it continues on that verse 13, the, the, the worship doesn't stop. It continues on to every created thing, which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard. And so this in, involves uh, even inanimate objects, you might say, or or the, uh, the, uh, the animals of the earth, the fish of the earth, the birds of the air, all all of these beasts and all of these different creatures, they carry on this worship in some form or shape. We're no, we don't know how or why, but there is this declaration by those who can verbalize it. And it says, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. That is what is about to take place is this dominion that Jesus is going to take over the possession of the earth in an official way as the kinsman redeemer because he has paid the price. He was he was uh, willing to do so and he did so because he had it within him to, to do what no other human being could do because he was God come in the flesh and he could pay the price as a 
fellow human being for his fellow human beings because they were sinners and he was not and he could pay as a substitute for their sin and redeem them back and redeem the rest of creation with his own death. And so verse 14 concludes, the four living creatures kept saying, amen. And I get the idea that they just keep on doing that uh, regardless of what they're saying uh, in the in the rest of heaven. These four creatures kept adding their amen and their amen to uh, everything else that was going on. And the elders fell down and worshiped. And that's what uh, that's part of what heaven is about. And it may not be like uh, uh, like we might think in terms of, of the way that we worship in our church uh, may be very, very feeble compared to the kind of excitement, the kind of, of uh, volume, the kind of enthusiasm, the kind of skillfulness, the kind of declaration that takes place by these living creatures and these 24 elders and these innumerable angels as well as all the other creatures of the earth are declaring Jesus's worthiness. His qualification is established in the universe and they declare it to the rest of the universe, even though those on earth haven't yet realized it. And uh, I pray, Father, that you would cause our hearts to be molded into the kind of worshipers we need to be to declare to Jesus the things that belong to him. That is his authority and his power, his love and his purpose and his dominion over the earth. And we look forward to that day where he will retrieve the earth by claiming it as his own and undoing the document of the kinsman redeemer once and for all. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendal Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.